All right, y'all, I want to tell you about a very special brand new product that I helped develop with Aubrey Marcus and ETG and the team here at Onnit. It is the Onnit Keto Hot Sauce. There's no weird sounding filler ingredients, no low quality oils loaded with unhealthy fats, just high quality, healthy for you ingredients blended together with a synergy that would leave every single one of the Avengers nodding with approval. All of the flavor, none of the bullshit, no carbs or sugar, packed full of high quality oils from coconut, avocado, and garlic that provide good for you fats, vitamins, and minerals. Oh, did we mention? It's bring a bottle with you to the restaurant kind of tasty. You optimize every part of your life, so why settle for bland tasting food? Onnit Keto Hot Sauce delivers the flavor you want and the nutrition you need. Go to onnit.com slash keto dash hot dash sauce to find out more. And as always, uh-oh, not as always. We got a brand new code word for you. You're going to use code word Kyle at checkout or you go to onnit.com slash Kyle for 10% off all foods, including this brand new keto hot sauce and all supplements. Yo, we got Juan Leha on the podcast today and he's fucking awesome. He's become a close friend of mine here at Onnit. Uh, right when I got here, I started working out with him periodically. I don't work out with him enough, but I'm about to change that. I've been battling a knee injury for the last year and a half that's finally gone. So uh, with that, we decided it was time to take a deep dive into all that is Juan. He's one of the best trainers here at Onnit. He's sought out by many professionals from Wadra Huerta to Tim Kennedy. He works with guys in special forces as well as UFC fighters and everything in between. He's created a women's program because of, for whatever reason, all the hot women in, in, in uh, Austin decided to work out with Juan. So I think he's got some really good programming tips for women. He's got a lot with unconventional barbell, which is a whole system that him and John Wolf and Shane Hines started to create here. And they're doing search with it now. Lots of cool stuff around that. And then also, if you're not into the physical, don't worry. We got you covered. We take a deeper dive into his experiences in the Amazon and uh, what life was like growing up for him. It's just, uh, it's a dope episode. It's one of my favorites. And I know you guys are going to dig it. Thanks for tuning in. Clappy, clappy. We're in, brother. All right, bro. <laughs> Juan Leha is in the house. The older brother to the primal soldier, Eric yes. Leha. And uh, I want to I want to talk a bit about your background, what got you here. But you've been here at On It since the very beginning. Yes, sir. Since the beginning of the gym workouts, mm -hmm. back in Aubrey's garage, training dudes. <laughs> yeah. And to see it come like all the way to where it is now must be an incredible experience. But let's talk about growing up with young Eric mm -hmm. and how you guys trained, all the things that got you into this. What led you here? So what led me here as far as my fitness road was, you know, growing up, I was, you know, little husky kid you know so so was my brother we we're both kind of like genetically we're like short and thick you know growing up and um at a young age you know my dad fucking my dad was he was a dick but he's you know he's fucking cool you know like he did things that like he would take us to the track actually right down the street here uh at on it i actually grew up right behind on it that you know less than a mile from here oh wow like a quarter mile actually so it's crazy how it just comes full circle that i'm here now but uh, he used to take me to the track and like my dad was always in really good shape. You know, he was kind of like a, I would say like a hybrid between me and my brother. Just mm. big, but lean, you know. And, uh, you know, my brother's more the leaner one out of me and him. I'm more the thicker one. So he was kind of like in the in the middle of, between us. So he would take us out to the track and like he would make me and my sister run. He would like do his like three mile, you know, runs. And he would just be like, you guys got to run a mile, you know. Obviously, he was saying in Spanish. So my dad's a Mexican, you know, he'd be like, pónganse a correr, you know, like run. 
you know, so we'd be running and, uh, you know, from an early start, I got that kind of like mindset of like, uh, fitness of like being in shape and, you know, as much as I did, like, just kind of like sit on the couch when I was young, my dad would make us work out. And to this day, I'm super thankful. And then as I got older, you know, my uncle kind of took me under his wing and kind of like did more like the bodybuilding style training at an early age when I was 12. And then when I hit puberty and training, it kind of just like exploded. So then when my brother got older, I kind of had that responsibility. Like I felt like, oh, well, my uncle did this for me and I have like this knowledge. So I'm going to help my brother out. So, yeah, you know, I, I would take my brother to the gym pretty regularly. Like he was like, you know, my fucking co-pilot in the car all the time and sometimes you know when you're you know like a teenager you not necessarily always want to hang out with your little brother you know because you're <laughs> yeah. trying to look for girls and you're trying to kind of do your own thing so you know but my brother was always co-pilot you know he's always like hey he was there you know my little brother so that was kind of a pain sometimes in the ass because we would have, like drop him off at gold's gym and then I'll, we would do our workout together but you know he was young so he was kind of like he would stay in the gym longer than I would. So, mm -hmm. you know, and I, you know, I was out chasing girls. So it's like, you know, I was like, all right, you stay in the gym. I'm going to, you know, I'll come pick you up. So he kind of had that responsibility. So growing up with him was, you know, awesome. He's kind of like, uh, it was a huge responsibility because like, uh, you know, my, both my parents were doing business in Mexico. So they were like traveling back and forth. So my brother lived with me and kind of like trained with me and went, went with all that as far as that responsibility. So he's kind of like my little brother son you know i guess you would say yeah i took yeah. a huge responsibility in his like uh development but i don't take full responsibility in his development he kind of found his craft and like you know from an early age you know i would give him training tips but he kind of like you know did his own research he would read things he would like look up stuff and like he, yeah he was really book smart yeah too, right? yeah he was really yeah. book smart you know he was like really dive into like fitness like he's kind of like a you know he he gets addicted to stuff and he dives in Full out, you know, obviously he loves kettlebells now and he goes all out on kettlebells. He fucking kills it, you know. <laughs> he learned how to make DMT, went all out on DMT <laughs> yeah, for a year. <laughs> yeah, all that, going all that, yeah, that's, a, that's another story. But yeah, he was like, at an early age, I mean, we'd dive into that conversation. It was like 10 years ago, 11 Damn. years ago, he would like, he was living with me and then I show up one time to the house and, you know, the house smells like fucking a meth lab, you know, and I'm like, the fuck are you doing dude he's like oh i'm making this stuff you know that i researched online that i saw you know joe rogan like mentioned that he was diving into and like he's doing and so i decided i'll make it because i like joe rogan and he like was making dmt and then <laughs> he like uh was you know back in the day you know he was ordering bark from brazil making it and then you know at the time like we didn't know shit about it really so it was i wouldn't say it was like the the safe way to kind of go about doing dmt it was more like a experimental phase uh -huh. was like yeah smoke this it's called dmt i fucking smoked it i would blast off and i was like the fuck is this like, I, 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 i'd be like man what is this there are no words like i, I yeah. don't know I, was like, I don't even know what i can get myself into it it's like it, it was just a crazy time so but it was a lot of learning experience from you know from you know making dmt to working out just like you know different different things that kind of like developed us into you know being here now so Hell yeah. yeah, growing up with my brother, you know, I love the guy, you know, I still watch, I'll always watch out for him. I always got his back. You know, I know he always has my back. So yeah, definitely growing up with him has, you know, had his challenges like any brother, you know, like, you know, fucking, yeah, you butt heads, especially yeah. a couple alpha males, you know, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I I, you know, stealing all your clothes, like, damn, those are some dope shoes. Oh, those are my dope shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, and no, I love the guy, you know, and it's it's cool that you know, like he's my brother. He's he's a little, he's not that big, but fucker strong, you know. Yeah, he's strong as shit. Yeah, and, and I he's think got it, great cardio. Too. Yeah, I think I attribute, he attributes that to you know all his kettlebell training, and it's like, you know, I mean, swinging heavy bells is not not easy, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think that builds that strength, and uh, you know, I kind of learned uh, one day when uh, we were living crashing on my aunt's couch, both me and him. You know, uh, times were kind of tough then. We're sharing couch and we got into some beef early in the morning over something stupid. I think it was over like leaving clothes in the dryer or some shit like that. And he came at me. I went at him. We scrapped. And I was like, oh, damn, he got me. <laughs> it was one of those like, oh, a little brother finally got me. I was like, I was like, well, you know, my excuse was like, it was like 6 a.m. I was half asleep. I, was like, I wasn't fully ready, <laughs> so it was... My controller's broken. It doesn't <laughs> yeah, count. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I love the guy, man. But yeah, man, that kind of like... That was kind of like the start of like fitness was through my uncle, my dad, uh, you know. So you had like a, a base layer of cardio and conditioning from what your dad instilled in you and then your mm -hmm. uncle got you into bodybuilding. Yeah. I think a lot of people, if you're in your late 20s to... to 50s mm -hmm. were introduced to bodybuilding as a big thing in the 70s and 80s yeah right and obviously we're influenced heavily by the muscle mags mm -hmm. muscle and fitness all that good stuff arnold and franco colombo and all those guys like really trying to mimic that model and then as we evolved from that to more fitness and instead of training body parts training movement practices hip hinges squat mm -hmm. lunge twist that kind of stuff that's where we really see like peak performance come from but one thing that's always stuck out to me is, and this isn't to knock anyone that's here, mm -hmm. but you have some very prominent athletes like Tim Kennedy mm -hmm. who seek you out to train with you every time they're here. Anytime they're in town, they're training with you. And that mm -hmm. says a lot about your training style mm -hmm. and how applicable it is to real world shit, yes. like being a special forces operator or fighting in the UFC. So yes. talk a bit about that transition from you know traditional bodybuilding, training body parts and having a mm -hmm. split to what you're into now, which is really yes. fucking incredible to see. So the way that started, you know, like I said, bodybuilding was the introduction into fitness. And then, you know, I wrestled in high school. And then after that, I thought I was going to be, I wanted to be an MMA fighter, you know, like yourself. I was like, oh, I'm going to you know, do MMA. And then I was like, fuck, these bodybuilding workouts. You know, I went to Helsing Gracie Jiu-Jitsu here in Austin. And I went in there, I got my ass rolled. I was like, man, <laughs> I was like, these bodybuilding workouts don't do shit. So, you know, uh, I started kind of like, investigating a little bit on my end like man like my heart rate was peak you know i know i wrestled but like i was just like put in like some positions where i was like uncomfortable in jujitsu like getting thrown on my back i was like fuck how do i do that and it just like that kind of triggered something like i was like oh my training needs to like change and i need to do something else and at the time my buddy roger huerta you know he was uh in minnesota he was wrestling he just randomly hits me up and he's like hey man you know i just got in a fight i was like what do you mean like I fought in some barn and I think he was in Iowa or Ohio. He's like, yeah, man, I went to like go watch uh, a buddy fight that wrestled. I went in there and they're like, you know, this is back in the old days. He was like, and they needed someone to go up there and fight. So I went in there and I fought and I won. I was like, cool, man. He's like, yeah, man, I love it. I think I'm a cage fighter now. And I was like, <laughs> so then that kind of like, I was like super cool. Cause I grew up watching UFC and everything. I always been a huge fan. And I think I was most of a fan more than anything, but I was always intrigued with the training and everything. And he kind of introduced kettlebells trx trainer uh you know sprint work things like that that i wasn't used to and uh, you know that was at age 18 19 when he was uh fighting mma and then he transitioned into fighting the ufc at an early age and he kind of had like uh you know 
I would say, like, he was introduced to, like, new training methods that a lot of the public at the time wasn't familiar with. And he introduced me to that stuff. Like, when I first got a kettlebell, you know, what was it? I was, like, 19, 20. I didn't, I didn't know what the fuck to do with it. You know, I was, like, I was doing swings where I was squatting and, like, you know, like, just, like, you know, just, like, I didn't know what <laughs> Raising I was. Raising it up to the yeah, ceiling. just lifting it up, you know, like, so, you know, I was introduced to it. And then, you know, I had to quickly learn because, you know, obviously the kettlebell, the, the, the weight will take you somewhere if you don't know how to control it, you know, so... I learned from that, you know, kind of that transition went from bodybuilding to like, oh, okay, I need to start training like, you know, more applicable stuff that's going to relate to whether it be at the time was fighting, you know, so that can like, if I'm going to get my heart rate up, I can still control myself. And that kind of transitioned that. And as I grew older, I was like, oh man, like I love the fighting. It's fucking awesome. But I love the training. I love like helping someone get from point A to point B. So then I just started doing my research on like, you know, different training methods. You know, you got Joe DeFranco, who was, you mm -hmm. know, an influence on me too. He's, you know, awesome coach, you know. Uh, Jim Jones is who I mostly resonated the most just because it had like a lot of that high volume, high intensity training, you know. And around that time, they had the 300 movie come out. And I was like, man, these guys are jacked. They're slow. Like, what are they doing for the training? I looked up their training. And it was like kind of CrossFit-ish, you know, style. And it's just like, man, the volume that these guys are doing it's nuts. So, you know, I, I got introduced to that. So I started kind of like playing with that. But at the same time, it was not like I wasn't like dived in into just like one specific style of training. I kind of did like a hybrid of like, you know, bodybuilding moves, which I think, like, you know, at the time was like more strength training, like body uh, like squats, deadlifts, things like that. I was doing high volume stuff with like like sprint work, which is now like, you know, like hit training and then mixing in the kettlebell. So I was kind of just like brainstorming and like kind of finding my own way. But at that time, I kind of learned, like, I resonated a lot with the Jim Jones community just because of, uh, you know, Mark Twight's, you know, high volume work, uh, Rob McDonald and Jay Kutch. Now, all those guys were kind of just, like, at the front of, like, that type of training. And at the time, I didn't know who I would relate to. I was like, oh, I don't know what the fuck my training is. It's all over the place. But I resonate with these guys. And I kind of started, like, following kind of their blueprints. And then from there, I noticed that, like, that type of training pushes people to like a mental edge where you're just like you know it just you see people break man man it's like yeah. and that's like i always wanted to train for that because i never wanted a break and it's like when i knew that i knew i could help fighters with that because like fighters can't break in a fight you know so i was like i gotta push them to that edge where they could stay on that edge on that line and still keep battling and fighting and i think from in my part that's the part where i i apply the training to it because you know training is one aspect you know their main training is fighting you know my goal was to like kind of push them to that edge and get them to that next level but not take away from their fighting and me through learning all that stuff was just like mind-blowing to me and it's like i applied all those skills that i learned to like people like roger Huerta, tim kennedy you know different fighters and things like that and like my attitude you know like sometimes i think people think i'm a little bit too blunt but my, my training style is like, I guess, you know, I'm not that old, but it's just like more old school. I'm not going to be the guy that's going to be like, come on, man, you got this. Hey, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be like, come on, motherfucker. You got to get this shit done, dude. Like, I ain't got all day, you know, it's more my style of coaching. And like some people don't relate to it. Some people do. Guys like Tim Kennedy, you know, they're going to be like, they want to hear the truth, you know. And, you know, when I whether I'm training them or I'm working out with them, I expect the same thing in return from my training partners where, you know, it, it's just a workout. But. You know, if you can't knock out a workout in the gym in a controlled environment, then 
the world's gonna be a fucking really tough place, you know? So yeah. so I think that mentality kind of helped with guys like that that, you know, want want to get pushed to the edge and kind of get really, 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 really challenged, you know, in a training environment. Cause I mean, these guys are doing things that oh man, like you can you can only like see in movies like what they're doing. So, you know, to provide an experience in the gym that's controlled and like pushes them to that level, it's what I I I, I love, you know, I love that stuff, you know? And yeah, people love it too. I mean, yeah. you see that in your classes, they're <laughs> yeah. maxed out. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? Like anytime I come here, if it's the wrong time and I'm trying to find parking, <laughs> I'm fucked. I'm parking on the street because <laughs> yeah. every lot, all every parking space in the lot is filled up for your classes. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So you, I mean, fuck, there's so much I want to jump in on. Yeah. Roger, first of all, Roger Huerta, really as MMA changed, mm-hmm. was the face of the sport for yes. a long time. He was the first MMA fighter ever to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yes. Like he was in his heyday, giant. Yes. Like he was a fucking giant on the scene of MMA mm-hmm. and really talented guy. Um, also like kind of the new guard, you know, mm-hmm. like where you started to see guys like John Jones spring mm-hmm. up and people like that, where it yeah. was like, you got to be good everywhere. Yes. And you can't just be good at the sport like jeremy horn you got to mm-hmm. be fit too like gsp yeah and he represented that so that was that's that's really cool that you know when you look into like the origin story of juan mm-hmm. you have these prominent people at different places that uh that influence so you're into you're into a ton of stuff now you've got a women's program you've developed mm-hmm. and you've got this unconventional barbell training and i want to break down both of those really because i think i it's fascinating to me mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like everybody knows what a fucking barbell is yes but you've developed a whole cert now at mm-hmm. on it where you you get to experience barbell in a way that you've never really experienced it before. But mm-hmm. let, let's dive into the women's program first and then get into barbell. Okay. So as far as the women's program goes, you know, I've been training women. You know, I've been in this industry for 13 years. I think the last six years have been more like my growth. You know, before I'll, I, I was a trainer and I, you know, I consider myself a coach because I'm not just like training people in the gym. I'm kind of like, have relationships outside of the gym, whether it be, you know, different advice on stuff like that, kind of help people to get to the next level in fitness. So, you know, I consider myself a coach, but I've always coached a lot of women from day one to now, you know, my clientele has been women primarily. And out of all those experiences, it's like, man, I've trained so many women and like, I know what, like what works as far as training goes, what works for them. And like, you know, how it gets them like to that next level. So I was like, I got to put this together and I got to like, you know, have a program. So the last, you know, three years I've been able to work on that women's program, put it together. And then I've had women sign up for it. The results have been great. You know, you know, point A to point B, they get there. You know, the goal with the women's programs, you know, it's obviously get them aesthetically, you know, there, but at the same time, get them like, you know, like in my other training with Tim Kennedy and the fighters and people in the gym is to get them mentally strong. So that was my goal with that too is like look we're not going to be doing bicep curls and like you know looking in the mirror because you know as you know we don't have mirrors here and at on it there's mm-hmm. one in the classroom but it's like stuff all over that you can't really see your reflection that good so it's not going to be like we're not going to be like doing that type of training like we're going to train hard i'm going to push you ladies like i push the guys so you know i did that as, as a formulation of my early career of like bodybuilding style training with like high intensity training with you know sports performance type training for women and I developed that and I put it out there and, you know, it's been a success so far. 
and we're going to have the next one in September, you know, the next uh, round of it. How long does the program run typically? It, it's eight weeks. It's an eight week program, you know, and it's like, it's for all fitness levels. You know, you can be advanced or you can be beginner because you make the workout as hard as you can. You know, mm. you, we have EMOMs, you have your weight, you know, we test your weights and stuff like that. Like uh, you're, we have uh, four tests that we test and then we kind of retest them at the end of the program. So the workout is like you make your own challenge, okay. but at the same time, I'm not, I already know I'm not going to let you just like sandbag it. Yeah. So, so it's been great to do that. But at like at the same time, I needed the pieces to help me out with that. You know, like I, I, you know, I'm like, I'm doing different programs, different things, you know, uh, I had to have like women to help me out. And I have like Natalie, which is one of our coaches here in Krista that helped me out with the program. And, you know, they've been doing a great job taking lead. Cause you know, I love the programming aspect and I love helping people, but you know, I also like developing other programs. So, you know, I like having my attention on that, but I think, you know, having women also contribute to that, it's a huge benefit. And now we, you know, I built this program out, but you know, obviously with different populations, you got to adjust the program. It's, it's not always going to work for everyone. And with their feedback, it's been great that we made adjustments from like what was just in my mind and what I put on paper and all that to, you know, I'll, I'm not a, you know, I don't know the right word would be like a closed book. I'm always open, you know, mm -hmm. I want to like hear other people's opinion because yeah, I think I know something. A, you're still a student as yeah. well. You yeah, know, so you're always learning. That's something that, that fascinates me about you and John Wolf mm -hmm. is that you're consistently trying to learn more. Yes. And it's like, you know, these ladies have a view that I don't. I'm not a woman. So I don't, I, I've trained many women and like, it's just like, but I still don't have that insight and having their feedback into this program has been great because I think we are developing something that's going to make some really strong women, you know, like not just strong condition and looking good, but mentally be warriors, you know, just like crushing it. And I think that's what, that's what motivates me in fitness is like, I love my job. I love coaching. I love getting people from point A to B to C to D to keep going. You know, I've had people training with me for years and years and like, man, some of these people can coach they can open up their own gym and they still come to me and to like train. I'm just like, man, this is crazy. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about, you know, like when you're, when you're a man leading a women's program, how you need that female influence. There was mm -hmm. a book that changed my life in college called She Comes First. Mm -hmm. And it's on how to, how to fuck better. It's all <laughs> yeah, sex. You know, yeah. like, you know, like how to, how to, how to munch box. Sorry yeah. if there's ladies listening. Uh, I'm using a derogatory terminology here, but, um, but yeah, how to, how to, uh, how to eat pussy, like yeah. all these things. And it's a dude who writes it. And then, but he brings in lesbians because uh -huh. like they know the yeah, female know body better. better than anybody. Yeah. They own one and they work on females. Yeah. Like, so I thought, I like, I think that, that it reminded me of that book. <laughs> she comes first and it's a must read. If you've never yeah. heard of it before, there's a, a half a papaya cut in half on the cover of it. So that's how you recognize the book. Yeah. But that was a game changer. Yeah. That was a game changer for me in college. I think it's so important to have that balance too when you're, and that again just goes back into that student mentality, mm -hmm. like always learning, being receptive, being an mm -hmm. open book, where it's not like, I've been doing this. I mean, you've been doing mm -hmm. this way longer than Natalie and Krista, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But there's still something you can learn from them. Yeah. You know, like the best guys on the mat in jujitsu, black belts that have been mm -hmm. doing it for 20 years, they can learn from a white belt mm -hmm. if they're paying attention and they take their ego out of it. They're yes. going to learn all sorts of shit, right? Yes. Yeah. That's pretty important. Well, let's talk barbell here yeah. because we got we got mm -hmm. all sorts of cool shit to go over when it comes to this. Yeah, so the barbell cert, you know, it's something that uh, you know, when John Wolf came into the, you know, to the fitness scene on uh not the fitness scene, but to on it, you know, he was more heavy on the unconventional side. And I was heavier on the barbell side, but I used barbell more for like strength training, aesthetics. I wasn't doing like powerlifting or things like that. But that barbell was a huge tool that I used for all my training. So, you know, 
we kind of like mix, you know, kind of like ideas and stuff like that in the way I was training. Cause I was still using the barbell in a high volume, more unconventional way. So, you know, we had to piece something together and he gave me all the respect, you know, cause like, uh, like John always tells people that when we first met, we we're going to get in a fight. <laughs> I was like, no, we weren't John. We we're going to get in a fight. We just, you know, we had a little, like a uh, little disagreement on something, but it was just miscommunication. Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, I'll never fight that guy. He's one of my best friends. And it was like, it was just a miscommunication, but John's one of the, you know, a great teacher, a great mentor, you know, and he helped me kind of like develop this cert and it, which is not just my cert, it's on it cert that both me, him and Shane kind of like put together and not just us. It was like people that train in the gym, help us, helped us with all this because barbell has been around forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has been like for a long time. It's one of the, you know, it's not as old as the mace or the clubs, but it's a tool that's been around for a long time. You know, I'm not the strongest. I'm not the most conditioned. You know, I use a barbell for what applies to me and I, I use it for my clients and how it helps them out. So, you know, we developed this course where we're using landmines, we're using offset barbell, we're doing barbell complexes, you know, all that, all that stuff that's a little bit different, but, you know, still the same. Mm -hmm. And, you know, applying that to fitness, you know, like on a barbell, like offset barbell looks kind of weird. you know, like I don't really go to corporate gyms as much to work out. But, you know, I'm doing like an offset barbell lift where like there's one plate on one side and there's no weight on the other side. I mean, and I'm doing this lift. And if you, you haven't tried this, I mean, obviously train up for it and then kind of like kind of work your way up to it. Like, and start know, light. Yeah, start you know? light. But, you know, it looks weird, you know, and I'm, when I'm at a corporate gym kind of practicing these moves, people are looking at me like, the guy forgot to blow those out of the way. You know, and I'm like, oh. Hey, dude, there's no weight on the other side. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. And I have like a 45 on one side. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it looks weird, but it's like, I mean, when have you lifted something that just perfectly, you know? Yeah, in the real like, world. Yeah, distributed. Right? The weight's just distributed perfectly. I never have. I lifted couches, TVs. There's a, you got to, like, find your way, your angles on how to Finagle fix it. Yeah, little exactly. Of it. You got to figure yeah. it out. And I think, you know, doing, like, unconventional barbell training is where we kind of, like, you know, special, like, not specialized, but we kind of, like, try to, like, reintroduce it to the public. You know, like, kind of like, look, these lifts have been around for a long time. You know, and now we're just trying to make it available for people through a barbell cert that we put together that, you know, a lot of time has gone into and, you know, challenges people in different ways. You know, we still go over your basics, you know, your your hinge pattern, your squat patterns, your push patterns, things like that. But then we apply them, you know, like with different tool, like different uh, setups, whether it be, like I said, offset barbell or the landmine. Which challenges you like? What's, explain the landmine. Is that the one that goes on the bottom of a rack and you stick like one end of the barbell into it? Yes. And then yeah. so you're doing like presses and it's working the core and different things. Yes. So Squat you know presses. you can do. Yeah. So you know I love the landmine. We do. We explore it with like you different configurations. We have a cup that you use that you put against the wall, so you can travel with that anywhere. If you find a barbell, you just push the barbell into it. And the thing that's different with that setup is that you have to provide tension driving the barbell into the cup. Mm. When it's not being doing, held in. Yeah, there. it's not okay. being held in. So it's like the tension that you're providing is just lighting everything up and it's just challenging you so much. But then you go into like just a normal landmine setup. It's like, you know, you're doing all these moves that are taking, you know, all that spine compression, you know, you're taking all that off. So you're doing a little bit uh, safer style training, but it's also like gives people access to doing squats with a barbell, you know, whether you're doing RDLs, deadlifts, presses, things like that. And, you know, not just because it looks weird or cool, but it actually has, you know, this application. You know, you got guys like, you know, uh, Ben Bruno that crush it with, the, you know, the landmine. He was the guy that, you know, kind of brought it out. And it's just like he's done some awesome, 
work with it. So, you know, I've, you know, looked a lot of his stuff up and, you know, things like that. And it just like sparks ideas and with what we're doing. So, you know, like I said, this is not stuff that we made up. It's not stuff that, you know, we created. It's been around for a long time and it's just our interpretation of the barbell. And it's like, you know, we go over the landmine, the complexes, you know, the fundamentals of it. And then we also kind of like tie it all together into our system, which is like, you know, you can train hard all the time, but the thing that people always trip out, whether I'm training women, Tim Kennedy, the badasses of, you know, the gym, you know, it's like we do open chain mobility and decompression. And we tie that all up in the in the cert. And a lot of things that people always ask me, what's open chain mobility? What's decompression? It's like, you know, that's what gets you warmed up and gets you cooled down, you know, but we do a different, different approach to it, which, you know, has been game changing for me in training. And, you know, it's cool to like apply it and show people in a barbell cert. Cause you know, like uh, as most, as you know, uh, I even back in the day, I think you might've even done this like, Hey, warm up. I'm on a treadmill for 10 minutes. I used to yeah, do that shit, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll sure and then go fucking lift some heavy weight. You know, now, yeah. you know, like, like, I mean, I have, I warm up my clients, 15, 20 minutes, you know, we're doing your open chain mobility. We're doing your specific warmups. And then you're doing like a little bit of cardio work, not getting the heart rate up, not taking anything away from the workout, but you know, we're getting a little, getting the, the juices flowing. You know, we're not trying to like, just hop in there and fucking try to deadlift over 500 pounds and then fuck yourself up, you know? Yeah. So you got to prep the body. So with the cert, we tie all that stuff in together. And I think that's what makes it a little bit different, you know, mm -hmm. than uh, the other certs that are out there, you know, it's just a different interpretation of the barbell with the unconventional style and then tying it up to what we do in the Onnit Academy as a whole. That's so sick. So people can come here obviously for the, for the cert. And if you're a lady, you can come here for the women's classes and mm -hmm. sign up for the eight week course. Yes. What of this has been made available online? Do you have any, you have any programs through Onnit Academy or anything mm -hmm. like that? That is the goal. That's what we're working okay. on right now. That's one of the questions that I get asked the most on, uh, you know, with my followers and people that, you know, email me and stuff like that. Like, Oh, when's your program coming out? When are you doing this? And it's like, uh, you know, we're working on that. Hopefully, you know, in the summer, end of the year, we can have some program out there. Would that be something similar to like the Onnit 6? Yeah. Where you guys the, have like on, video Onnit 6, for... but probably not as high a production because it'll okay. be like my program. It's not going to be like... I got you. It won't like be that. an Onnit program. Yeah, it'll be an Onnit program, but okay. it won't be just like... like that, All the bells that, and whistles. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, just, I'm yeah. just trying to get like, you know, like, hey, look, this is what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. We're going to knock it out. You know, but like my, I'm the a big believer is I don't like, you know... If you're gonna release a program, you know, you gotta have trial and error. You gotta do it on yourself, train it on yourself, and then, you know, you gotta train people for free, you know, on doing this program because they're testing shit out for you. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's like, hey man, you can you wanna do this program with me? And you know, hey, it's free, but we're testing shit out. So don't don't get like frustrated with me, you know. <laughs> so it's you know, I'm a big believer in like, you know, testing the stuff that you put out there before, you know, not just, you know, I can write up shit and then like, oh, I'll do this. And it's like have you ever done that? Yeah. It was perfect on paper. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, Man, that shit was hard as hell. <laughs> you know, it was hard as hell. That didn't flow the way I do. So, you know, I'm like clearing all that stuff up, kind of like testing all that stuff out right now. You know, we call the gym the lab because we test a lot of the programming out in there. And like, you know, once that's set, we're going to, you know, hopefully push it online by the end of the year and have stuff on there because, you know, I do, I love coaching. And I think coaching to me is like a way that I connect through fitness because that's, you know, that's what I do. So, fitness i'm able to connect with people and like you know i know some people might think it's just fitness but man i love it and i love seeing people go from point a to point b and you know like i said it's cool to see people body transformations but it's cool to see their mindset go from fucking like 
being here to being fucking like owning shit, you know? And you see yeah. that every day in the gym from people that walk in from day one to like day 30, the way they're like posture is. And it's not just from training. It's not like that we're working on just on posture, but it's their confidence levels. And I love fucking seeing that shit. I love yeah. seeing people just like- That's the piece that, that extends into all areas of life, you know, mm -hmm. like whatever. And that's just straight out of Wim Hof's book or any mm -hmm. of these teachers that tell you to- push yourself to the edge of whatever the experience is, whether that's breath work, cold therapy, or your workouts, all that shit matters. All that gets extrapolated out into everything you do. Mm -hmm. And I, I fucking, I know I butchered this quote before and I'll butcher it again, but it's something like mastery in anything equals mastery in everything. Because mm -hmm. once you learn how to be a master in something, that translates into everything you do, mm -hmm. right? And it's not like, oh, you're, you know, Michael Jordan wasn't the greatest basketball player of all time and then became the greatest golfer of mm -hmm. all time. Obviously there's limits to that, but he's mm -hmm. fucking good at yeah. golf. You know what I'm saying? He's yeah. good at a lot of things that he did. He's mm -hmm. great at business too. Mm -hmm. So thinking about those things, like it really does make sense because so much of our experience here has to do with the mental mm -hmm. in anything we do. Yes. So much of it has to do mm -hmm. with the mental. Well, obviously when you push yourself and I, I've experienced mm -hmm. this myself through fighting and things like that, when you push yourself, which you have mm -hmm. to a level and you're constantly exploring your own boundaries, that really does dip into how you train the mind. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to get into some mindset mindset stuff like mm -hmm. what are the the general principles that you have that are important in life and mm -hmm. what are the practices you have to slow the fuck down because on it's moving at an incredible pace mm -hmm. and obviously that can that can lead you to like a frantic mind where you're like fuck it'll never stop it's yeah. go 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 how do you slow shit down and reconnect so the way I, the, my mindset you know i've been here for a long time and i put in hours but you know it's one of those things where people say work smarter, not harder. You know, I put in hours where I'm here at 6 a.m., leave at 9 p.m. And at that point, you know, I'm uh, interacting with a lot of people, you know, with people a lot. So mindset's on point when I'm at work, you know, but at the end of the day, sometimes I got to go and be by myself. You know, I got to just like focus on me. And, you know, that time is important, you know, for my mindset. I got to go home, got to relax, not talk to anyone. I'll watch TV, read a book, fucking foam row stretch you know they do all that stuff just by myself because i'm around people all the time and i love it but you know for my mindset for me to be like good the next day i gotta like put some men back in the tank for myself you know and yeah i think that's what gets me like you know back to like normal it's like kind of that time where i just like go on a run by myself i like whether you believe it or not i mean i weigh 220 pounds and i'm like fucking love running you know <laughs> it's like i'm not built to run like my feet don't are not like my feet fucking hate it, but I love running. I love like the endorphin high. And that's like where I just like, you know, that's where the mental stuff comes in. You know, it's like that conditioning work, you know, the runs, the biking, the rowing, the skiing, like all that stuff. It's where like, you know, sometimes I'll have headphones, sometimes I don't, but you know, I'm going through that stuff and that's where I challenge myself. You know, it's like mm -hmm. when you were fighting, I'm sure you're training, you're like, fuck, you're in your head. Like, I got to fucking do this. I got to do this. You know, and that for me, running and conditioning works like that. When I'm running, like, I'm like, why the fuck am I running? This is fucking stupid. You know, I was like, I don't need to run. I'm not built to run. Like, and then I'm like, nah, keep running, pussy. Like, keep moving, dude. Just knock it out. Just knock out this run. And it's like, I have conversations with myself and conditioning work. And it's like, I like those conversations, you know, because it's like, it lets me explore myself. And I think that's where I gra gravitate for fitness. It's like, I've had these conversations with myself. I'm sure the people that I'm training are having that stuff in their head too. Like, fuck one hate that guy this and that you know so <laughs> why did i say yes to go into this class <laughs> yeah why am why i here for a living yeah. yeah so yeah. things like that so it's like yeah. you know i guess that's where like my mental like 
preparedness kind of like comes is like from like working on myself on like whether it be conditioning work, meditation, reading, you know, I mean, my mental game comes from like my family. I love my family. I I'm close with my mom. I'm close with my brother. You know, I'm thankful that I have my grandparents, you know, and, you know, I just had it was Easter just, you know, was two days ago, hung out with my grandma, you know, hung out with my aunts, you know, I have a real close relationship with all of them. And I think that's what keeps me grounded, you know, like uh, I don't come from a privileged family, you know, uh, my family, is, they're immigrants, you know, from Mexico, you know, they've came here, they've made it, they, you know, they're making it and, you know, they're kind of you progressing. And I think that 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 pushes me to be better. It's like seeing them, you know, kind of like, look, they came from nothing to, you know, they're, they're living life, you know, and I think that to me is what motivates me. It's like, I want to, you know, make them proud, you know, like I do, you know, I love, I love all my family. Like I just, <laughs> so it, it makes so much sense. Cause then they talk about like the beginnings of this country. Mm -hmm. And obviously mm -hmm. there was a lot that was wrong with mm -hmm. the beginnings of this country, mm -hmm. but some of the stuff that was right is a lot of the immigrants that came here had to bust their ass because mm -hmm. they started with nothing mm -hmm. and that got handed down generationally. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's really uh, almost to a fault where we are in our go, go, go mentality, mm -hmm. but you, there's something to be said for hard work. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you look on the flip side of that. Some of the wealthy kids that grow up with everything, mm -hmm. they don't want to do shit because mm -hmm. they've had everything handed to them. You mm -hmm. know, and I'm sure, I mean, I don't know what it was like at your high school, but I mm -hmm. remember a kid rolling up in an F, uh, 50 Ferrari and I was like good oh. god <laughs> yeah. you know and that dude's successful now so I ain't gonna show yeah. him but I'm saying like there's there was um and he's a homie of mine I'll yeah. just say that but, yeah. but uh you know like some some kids had it better than others yeah. and you know there's a lot of people out there that start off well and it doesn't translate to a better experience in mm -hmm. life you know what I'm saying so that's that's yeah. really cool to see that you know I get that you know mm -hmm. trained with uh King Velasquez and yeah. very similar story parents were immigrants uh, he grew up in Yuma. His, his dad was a strawberry picker in Yuma, mm -hmm. and back in California, he'd go back and forth mm -hmm. seasonally working on that stuff. And like, you look at a guy like Kane, like he's just all work yeah. ethic. He's all go. You know, yeah. he never stops. Please. So <laughs> for sure, uh, you've been to the Amazon. I want to yes. talk about this. I <laughs> talked about DMT with your <laughs> yeah. brother. Yeah, but uh, you know, DMT for people that haven't had it, it is. I, I recommend watching DMT: The Spirit Molecule or reading the book. It's mm -hmm. even better by Rick Strassman because that'll give you a good look at that. But um. It can be almost like indescribable because mm -hmm. it's so fast and there's so much and you try to come back and put it into words. And, and mm -hmm. as Terrence McKenna said, there's not really language for that yeah. experience, right? It doesn't yeah. have been developed yet. Um, but in the Amazon, doing ayahuasca and wachuma and some of these other plant medicines, there you can describe that experience a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, talk a bit about your experiences and what you've gained when you've gone to the Amazon because I, I, I always find this fascinating with people. Yeah. So, I mean, my story is a little bit different, you know, going to the Amazon. You know, I enjoyed it. It was cool. You know, I was lucky to go out there with a group of friends, you know, with Aubrey and, you know, the crew going down there, you know, to Peru. You went to Spirit Quest? Yeah. Don so, Howard? Yeah, I went so. with Don Howard Spirit Quest. So I went down there and it was, it was a, an amazing experience, but, you know, Heading down there when uh, everyone was setting up the trip, it was like, hey, we're going to go to the Amazon. I was like, fuck. You know, I was like, don't get me wrong. I, I come from like, you know, like I'm not like privileged or anything like that, but I'm going to the jungle. I was like, we're going to have to shit in a fucking like hole in the, in the ground. So that was my mind. I was like, this is what we're doing. So we show up. Spirit Quest is nice. I was like, yeah. man, this is a dope spot. I was like, all right. So we get there and I'm like, all right, this is definitely, you know, it's not what I was expecting. So yeah, let's roll with it. So we go in there. You know, we're all, you know, we're obviously we're fasting and then we're eating the food that has like no seasoning on it, which was fucking 
brutal, brutal for no me because I love food. No salt. I love food. You know, yeah. so it's like it was brutal, but you know, I know that you know it helped out. You know, yeah. helped in the process. So that happened. You know, we went. You know, we made the ayahuasca, and then like you know, I, I do tell the story. I mean, completely blunt the way I tell it. You know, we're doing. You know, like I'm super open to everything. You know. But I also have like my thoughts in my head, mm -hmm. you know, so we're doing our, you know, like our little chants or like, you know, our songs to like kind of like find our spirit animal and things like that. And we're going, everyone's kind of like, you know, meditating and thing. I open my eyes on that. Fuck, what the fuck am I doing? I'm from the hood. I'm like out here in the jungle <laughs> fucking meditating and like I'm looking for a spirit animal. And this, these were my thoughts, you know, like I'm like, I'm like a part of me was kind of still closed minded about uh -huh. it. And I was like, this is silly, this and that. And then I see, I see like, my spirit animal, like it's what I envisioned in my head. I'm like, all right, well, I saw something, and it was a, a peacock. But then it was a, it wasn't just one. It was a peacock and a bear. So it was two. And so I asked Don Howard, you know, shaman, and I asked him like, hey, Don Howard, I saw, you know, like when he was asking, I was like, I saw a peacock and a bear. I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, oh, you, you know, you'll know, and you know, he's a super nice guy. Fucking the guy yeah, he's awesome. I love him because he's not a dude that's gonna explain shit for you. <laughs> well, that was, yeah. you know. <laughs> so that was the thing. So then, me in my head, my like, you know, like the way out, I was like, man, he don't know what he's talking about. I, was like, hey, I probably caught him off guard with the peacock and the bear. <laughs> you know? so he's probably like, he's never heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this guy's strange. He has a peacock and a bear. So I, that's, but that was just me being like silly and like kind of like thinking that. So then we go into the ayahuasca ceremony. And we're doing, you know, drink the ayahuasca. And, you know, I had done, a, I didn't do ayahuasca. I did farmawasca with my brother with no shaman, just me and him, which that's another story on its own, which mm -hmm. is crazy. But, you know, we did, we did the ayahuasca and it's, you know, it's the whole group. It's a lot of people in there. And then I start, you know, I'm puking. I'm like, La Perga. Yeah. It's coming out. I'm like, and I'm like, <laughs> I think Bailana, which is one of our friends, I was like, man, I thought you were dying back there or something. Because I was like, ooh. And it got to the point where it was just like, I could not handle it. I was like, I have nothing else to throw up. I'm like, I'm done. And I was like, this is horrible. I was like, what did I get myself into? And then I start seeing visions. But like, my visions were not like, like I was, I'm not battling any demons, you know, or anything like that, that I'm aware of. I, had, I was battling something, but it wasn't like, it didn't come in, uh, into effect there. Mm. And it was just like, for me, it was just like a party. <laughs> it was like a like uh, just a party but i was still puking so before they got to the party i was puking my brains out and i was like man i need this to stop and then so my spirit animals when i did it and this is what i played in my head what i saw when i when i, I was like the bear told me like like when he's like hey when you feel in trouble just holler at me and i was like what's that and the bear had like a you know kind of like a twang kind of like how i talk you know he's like yeah just holler at me like i was like all right so i just said hey homie give me some honey <laughs> you know, he said, just, just holler that. And then he, he'll pop up. And this is my interpretation in my head. So I'm like, give me some honey. Like in my head, I'm saying this. And then the bear and the peacock pop up in my vision. Like they just pop up. Like, hey, man. I'm like, what's up? They're like, dance it out. I'm like, dance it out. And I love dancing. Don't get me wrong. So, I mean, I kid you not. It's a dark room. I stand up. I start dancing. I'm just moving. I can't see shit. I'm like, you know, in another world. I'm dancing. I start feeling better. I'm like, oh man, bear and peacock were right. You know, so I start getting after it. And then it just turned into a party. But for me, the experience was like a Benny Benassi video, the old school DJ, <laughs> women dancing, different colors, pa, 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 pa. And it was just like, 
holy shit, this is fun. I had a, I had, it was like an experience. So to me, it wasn't like, I didn't feel like it challenged me when I was like battling through the purging and all that. But I just knew like, some, like the message that I got from there, sometimes you got to call on people to help you out. Yeah. And my spirit animal was a bear and a peacock and I had to call them for help. And then that kind of translates like to life now. Like I didn't take this, this message right at the time because I didn't know. But, you know, I see that now. It's like, oh, when I need, if I need help, I can't do everything. I don't have all the answers. Fuck, I try to surround myself by smarter people than me that know how to do things way better than me. And, you know, sometimes you got to ask for help and never be afraid to ask for help. And I think that's the message from what I got from ayahuasca. And it was an awesome experience. But I even like, I think I was the first one done. Like, I was like, I fell asleep. I was like, <sighs> and then I was Snoring. next to our friend CT was next to me. And apparently, I guess I was snoring. I didn't know I snored. <laughs> I was snoring that CT, like, he's in his trip. He bumps me, like, wake up, stop snoring. Oh, all right, cool. <laughs> so, that was, you know, the ayahuasca experience was awesome, you know. And like I said, at the time, I didn't really know what, like, what the message was. But like I said, like that, you know, kind of like asking for help. Don't ever be afraid to ask for help because, like, you know, like I said, you can't do everything on your own. Fuck. Yeah. And so much of that, you know, like how people think of La Perga as only puking, mm -hmm. but it can be crying. It can be mm -hmm. laughter. Mm -hmm. It can be shitting your brains out. Which yeah. been many of my experiences, <laughs> uh, it can also be dance and movement and yeah. yoga, right? Because yeah. like we have energy that gets built up inside us and you could look at this from a, a quantum physics standpoint, auras, that kind of shit chakras, or yeah. you can look at this as just like actual physical energy. Mm -hmm. But as that stuff gets pent up, these emotions are stored. It has to be physically expressed. Right. It's mm. not enough to just change your mind about something and say, oh, okay, I'm healed mm. now. Like, no, you yeah. got to fucking get it out of you. Yeah. And so I, it makes perfect sense that that mm. was the medicine for you was yeah. just to dance and yeah. move it, you know? And I've been in plenty of ceremonies where I've seen that, like fucking our boy, Aaron Alexander. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he fucking he had the most <laughs> ridiculous ecstatic dance I've ever seen. Was like complete with Wim Hof breathing and sweat. <laughs> the smell of his body permeated the whole room we were in. <laughs> you know, like he was getting it. Yeah. But like that, that physical expression and that's something, I mean, again, like, and I always say this when I talk about uh, plant medicines or drugs, if you mm -hmm. want to be blunt, is that a lot of these lessons can be taken. That's why I talk mm -hmm. about them. A lot mm -hmm. of these lessons can be taken without the medicine. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if you're feeling kind of funky and you fucking mm -hmm. force yourself to dance, you're going to feel better after. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And if you, and it was cool too, because you were in a dark room, mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about people looking at mm -hmm. you. You know, it's kind of like when when Parangi does the ecstatic mm -hmm. dance and he blindfolds you, yeah, you know, like that's when you're going to dance free because mm -hmm. you know, no one's watching, yeah. you know, like it's not yeah. dance. Like no one's watching like, yeah. yeah, I'll dance because no one's watching yeah. and really get after it. You yeah. know, that's really cool. And then you guys went into Wachuma after, is that right? Yeah. The Wachuma was awesome. It was like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've done, you know, Molly and stuff like that. So like, it kind of like reminded me of that feeling and it was fucking, it was amazing. Like, I mean, like the, that experience, like the, I mean, obviously being surrounded by awesome people kind of helps that experience. For sure. So, you know, kind of being in the jungle, walking through the village and things like that, just kind of seeing life on a different, you know, like a different scope, you know, like these people that are living in the jungle, you know, like seeing that and, you know, appreciating the way they live life and they're like making it happen, you know, to me and make like, hey man, I'm fucking grateful for what I got. You know, I'm grateful yeah. for the people that I'm surrounded with. And what Chuma kind of just like opened up my eyes to that. I was just like, oh, just like, really observing things and i think the lesson that i got from that was that now i I'm, i mean i'm i'm grateful for everyone but i try to you know one of the things i love doing is people watching and i'm always like when i get super high i'm like man why is 
what you know like whether it be a homeless person like what got this person to this this position or you know someone that's very successful what got them to this position I like I'd like formulate things and then I'm you know I love making friends so then I mean I'll talk to a homeless man I'll talk to a successful person like hey you know just make conversation to see little little bits of their you know their story and it's you know you learn a lot you know and yeah. I think older people you know seniors are like those are the most fun to talk to in my opinion because you talk to them and their stories are fucking amazing and I think that's what I learned is just like it just opened me up to like being open to everyone you know I fucking I don't hold grudges on anyone I fucking like you know like you know I don't hate anyone I don't like having people hate me you know like you know if I fought someone back in the day that I, you know, either I beat him up or he beat me up, whatever. If I see him down the day, we shake hands. Hey, man, what's up, dude? You know, like I like it, it opened my eyes to that. It's like, dude, treat everyone the way you would treat your family members, you know? And I think that's the message that I got from that. Just from seeing from Wachuma, just seeing everyone, like all my good friends and then seeing all these people that were just walking around like, hey, we're all the same. And it's just like to me, it's like I try to live my life like that. Like I just try to treat everyone equally and I try to protect those that aren't treated equally. And, you know, that's, that's the message that got me, you know, from that. That's dope, brother. Yeah. 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 Henry Rollins. I remember him on Rogan talking about how important it is to, to travel. And, and when you experience these third world countries and different cultures and you can see like they have so much less by our understanding mm -hmm. material wise and so much more in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. they have community, they have a sense of purpose and they find mm -hmm. happiness with, less mm -hmm. with a meager existence yes. you know like a fucking dirt floor mm -hmm. like it's there's four walls and a roof but there's no fucking carpet there's no there might be a rug but mm -hmm. it's mostly living on dirt you know like in that still to like obviously we can survive in a lot mm -hmm. of ways we've been doing that for a long yeah. ass time it's only very recently do we have air conditioning and refrigerators and all this modern science but rewinding that you can still see there's a fuck ton of people on this planet that live like that there's mm -hmm. probably more people on this planet that live that way than live with the way mm -hmm. we do for sure mm -hmm. i think uh india and china where there's billions of people mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of people that are living meager existences and are still drawing happiness and finding purpose and meaning out of life and that's a really cool thing to have that direct mm -hmm. impact especially on the medicine yeah because it's so visceral yeah when you're on the medicine and you yeah. see that and you're like oh, okay okay mm -hmm. it's a it's a huge perspective shift that's very palpable yeah and like i said to me it was like at the time i didn't realize it but like months out it was like oh this is what i learned from it you know it was like it wasn't right then and there yeah. i like noticed something but then you know later in, in time i was like thinking and i would think about my experience and like oh that's the message that i got from that you know and that's the message i got from that but the most uh you know one of the bigger ones was a closing ceremony you know was like getting the uh, remind me of the name where really. Vilka? Vilka. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was brutal, man. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was brutal. So that was, you know, like uh my best friend that I grew up with, you know, from like the age of like 17, 18 to like right about close to 30, my buddy Hugo, you know, he passed away, you know, and I, he was like my he was like a brother to me. He was like he was always with me and my brother, you know, with Aubrey, Sean, all of us. He was like one of us, you know. And he was like one of my best friends and he just he got stabbed at a party, you know, and it was just, man, he got stabbed in the leg and it just hit the wrong place, you know, and it just like, he passed away. So to me, it was like, I was battling for that forever. Cause like, he was a guy that like, we'd go out together all the time. We'd travel together all the time. He's my best friend. He was like, he was like another brother to me. And I was battling with that. Cause I was like, man, like, 
I fucking miss that guy. Like he was my homie. Like he was my brother. And to have someone so close to you pass away and you saw him on his last day, I had dinner with him, you know, and he, he was like, Hey man, I'm going out. And then I was like, hey, well, I'm going to go home today. You know, I'm going to go home tonight. And he went out and that's when that was his last day. And to me, it was like, I kept playing that in my head. Like, man, what if I were going out? That probably wouldn't happen. I would have like backed them up. I would have done this, you know, but for whatever stuff happens, it happens. But, you know, for a long time, I was battling that in my head. I was just like, man, like it's fucking eating me alive. You know, it sucks. And then eventually, you know, through that ceremony, it was brutal, man. Like uh, his intense, you know, like I felt like I was legitly dying. Like my body just like tightened up and I saw my buddy. Like I saw my buddy in that, that ceremony, you know, like I saw, like I saw him as an energy, you know, he wasn't like a human being. He was an energy and he just like, like said, whether this is in my head or is, you know, it's the real deal. He came and talked to me and like, you know, we would always talk about, man, we need to do this. Hey, we need to do that. And like his, his message, Hey, what's up, brother? You know, like it was like energy, but I was still able to give him dabs and stuff like that. It was kind of weird, you know, but you know, I was able to talk to him and he was just like, Hey man, like keep doing what you're doing. Like, don't, don't slow down, man. I'm good. Like, I'm like, I'm all good, man. I got your back all the time still. Mm. So just keep doing what you're doing. And this is what I played in my head. But, you know, from that point on, I was like, hey, man, he's good. And that kind of gave me that clearance because that was the one thing that I was like, kind of like, it was bugging me a little bit, yeah. you know? Like, it, it was bothering me a lot. And it was just like, having that like, off my shoulders was great. And it was like, I felt like he was the person that said it through the medicine. It was like, hey, you know, like, all good, brother. Like, keep moving. Keep doing your thing. You know, like, don't back down. Keep being who you are. And it's just like, that was like, to me, that was the most, you know, I don't, I don't know if the groundbreaking is the right word, but it was like where I got like past something where I was like, damn, like that line was right there. And that pushed me over and fucking life is good, you know? Yeah, brother. So yeah, Vilka's a special one. Mm -hmm. It's uh, you know, I think there's a two episode <clears throat> Peru breakdown that Aubrey, me and, and, um, Caitlin did on Aubrey Marcus podcast mm -hmm. and it's it's cool we talk about our Vilka experience but like for me that was my my only time with Vilka it's for those that don't know 5-MeO-DMT NN-DMT and Bufotenine and it's mm -hmm. two different plants that are combined so they have about equal parts of all, everything mm -hmm. and it's like a 90 minute DMT trip <laughs> with purging you know like I pissed the bed I fucking puked my brains out like it was like nothing else but in that experience I felt my ancestors and and like my first coach, Maestro mm -hmm. who was a cutman in the yeah. UFC, I felt them right there with me. I could see them, you mm -hmm. know, like, so like, it's really cool to think, you know, and for those that haven't seen it, watch DMT, the spirit molecule, read the book. There's a lot that goes into this. And when you, we start scientifically backing the spiritual world, you know, you can, it really starts to make a little bit more sense, mm -hmm. you know? And I think uh, there's a really dope book called The Physics of God. We'll link mm -hmm. to it in the show notes. Dr. Mm -hmm. Dan Engel turned me on to it. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. It's all the way yeah. that science is catching up to the spiritual world, but that shit makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, if this is infinite and we are mm -hmm. to last forever, that, you know, whoever dies, it is mm -hmm. just a transition past yeah. that and everything is conscious. And I think there's so many lessons we get from the plants mm -hmm. that let us know that, that it's yeah. not just man is here and everything else is inanimate you know mm -hmm. like no everything's animated yeah. everything has the same consciousness we do so that's dope man well yeah. fuck dude what do you got you got anything to promote anything that's coming out well we have uh you know the barbell cert coming may 11th and 12th here in austin texas it's gonna be our unconventional barbell cert like i said if you're interested in learning how we tie things together and kind of a different approach into the barbell come check us out it'd be it's gonna be a fun time Dope community here in ATX and especially here at Onnit. Dope community from everyone that surrounds us to everyone that comes to the search. So 
yeah, join in. And then we'll have the women's program in September. Sick, brother. Yeah. And where can people find you online? Uh, I'm just, you know, my Instagram handle is just, uh, shit, what's my handle? Juanit, J-U-A-N-N-I-T underscore 24-7. You know, you follow me on there. I post a lot of workouts and stuff like that. If you follow me on my stories, it's going to be more food than anything. Tacos. <laughs> kind of go hard on the tacos. So, yeah, food trucks and ATX yeah, if you're no trying joke. to eat healthy, you probably shouldn't check my stories because, you know, a lot of, I get a lot of messages like, damn, bro, you're fucking, <laughs> your, your food stories are probably more better than your workout stories. <laughs> so I started laughing. I was like, you know, they, they rival them. So yeah, man, you know, want to give me a follow, go for it. If not, hey, it's all good. <laughs> awesome. Well, where's your favorite? I know you do the tacos a lot. What's your favorite taco joint in ATX? My favorite taco spot, man, I like Rosita's Al Pastor on, uh, on East Riverside. I'll check it they out. They have this campechana taco that goes fucking hard. <laughs> okay. I'm in, brother. Uh, Dope, bro. man. It's been excellent yeah. having you. Thanks a lot, Juan. Yeah, thank you for having me, bro. Fuck yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Kyle Kingsbury podcast. And as always, if you head to onit.com forward slash Kyle, you'll get 10% off supplements and food products. If you go to thefarmersjuice.com forward slash King, you'll get $10 off your first order of the best organic juices on the planet. Thanks for tuning in.